Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to the Inside Try Show with Helen Murray. This is the podcast that takes a deeper look at the sport. With in-depth interviews and special episodes. To keep you entertained and inspired while you're training. All right, let's begin. Hello and welcome to episode nine of the Inside Try Show, powered by 33fuel.com powerful, tasty and natural sports nutrition. I'm Helen Murray. Thank you very much for listening. Coming up on the Inside Tri Show. So I went to this health retreat, booked myself in there for seven days. And when you got there, they did like a series of health checks on you. They put you on an exercise bike. I mean, just an exercise bike. And you just had to turn the pedals over, like no effort. Mm -hmm. Just turn the pedals over for a couple of minutes and they would watch your heart rate. And I remember my heart rate got to like 155 beats, just like turning the pedals over. Oh they weighed God. me and I was 104 kilos. They did your BMI, which I think was about 34, 35%. And they took your blood pressure. And my blood pressure was something crazy, like 151 over 110 or something. <gasps> I have an absolute cracker of an interview for you. You might be thinking, A, who is that? B, not another Aussie. Well, this is going to be the last of the interviews that I did in Australia. Well, for now, at least. As for who is that, Renee Kiley is the answer. And oh my God, does she have an interesting story, which you're going to hear all about very shortly. A bit of an update for you on the mystery intro man uh jose has emailed me asking if it's tom fordyce from bbc sport no i'm afraid it's not feel free to carry on guessing but i think he's going to remain a mystery for quite a while anyway thank you very much for sharing some of your racing and training photos with me after last week's episode with jake burtwistle I thought I'd reflect his passion for photography by getting some of your favourite snaps and putting up a few of my favourite racing and training photos. 
and they're still on at Inside Try Show. So my favourites from you, possibly Stephen going up the struggle during the Hellvelin triathlon and still smiling. That's an impressive feat. If you don't know what I'm on about, Helvellyn Triathlon is in the Lake District, which is in the northwest of England and a really hilly part. So to go up the struggle, which is super steep and still be smiling is quite impressive. And then Lindsay sent me a photo basically of the Dominican Republic, I think. And it was pretty much a holiday photo. But given that we are in the middle of winter here in the UK, that put a smile on my face as well. So yeah, thanks for those. And uh, it's been great to get your comments and to get your feedback so far on the different episodes of the Inside Try Show. So thank you very much for that. And um, thanks as well to Adam Gibson, who has become a patron of the show. He signed up to be a coffee buddy. And massive thank you as well to Hannah Basarat, who signed up to be a vino buddy. I'm going to have to get through a lot of vino at this rate. But anyway, I am really grateful for all of your support. So thank you so much because it just helps me to be able to continue to bring you a show every single week. If you want to become a Patreon as well and support what I do, then head to patreon.com forward slash inside try show. So my news this week I think it's pretty boring. Maybe I'm getting back into the routine of things. Um, I've done a bit of yoga with Tim. As I said last week, it's very enjoyable doing yoga with Tim. Though he does stretch you quite a lot and I'm really not as flexible as I should be, but I don't think I'd be alone in that. Nah, didn't think so. Uh, Nordic working class again today. Ended up powering through the rain and the storm. Did a long run on Sunday in the sunshine which I waited for the rain to to go and um, yeah the sun came out and it was actually really nice and it felt almost spring-like but I'm not going to get carried away just yet anyway. I also made some raw brownies which are in Anna Jones's cookbook. If you've not heard of Anna Jones she is a brilliant chef trained by Jamie Oliver but she does mainly vegetarian stuff maybe a bit of vegan as well but whatever it is all veggie and in her book yeah these raw brownies they're incredible so it's dates and cocoa powder and honey and nuts so a bit like an energy ball but I will put the recipe up uh, I'll put a link in the show notes at helenmurray.net Because seriously, they are insanely good. Anyway, if you are getting back into your training a bit like me, or you're getting some miles under your belt for marathon training, are you doing a spring marathon? Maybe you want to be fueling your workouts with some top quality sports nutrition, then head over to 33fuel.com. Incredibly tasty sports nutrition with no junk at all. They've got a whole vegan product range. They do chia gels. They've got shakes, the lot. And you can get a discount inside try 33 at checkout at 33fuel.com. Time for this week's interview. So this is going to be the remarkable story of how triathlon has completely transformed Renee Kiley's life. In 2014, the Australian came 
252nd in her first ever sprint distance triathlon. She pretty much walked the 5K. But in five and a half years, Renee has gone from weighing 104 kilograms, which is about 16 stone, with alarming blood pressure readings, to racing in the professional ranks. So long gone are the long, boozy Friday lunches, which you're going to hear about, and the daily packet of cigarettes. And we do go pretty deep in the interview. So here it is. So it's a Friday lunchtime. And a few years ago, what would you have been doing on Friday lunchtime? (laughs) Well, probably six years ago on a Friday lunchtime, or at least probably once a month on a Friday lunchtime. My ultimate back then was long lunch, which means leave the office by 11.30 (laughs) a.m. Our long lunch somewhere at some fancy restaurant drinking uh, a really expensive lunch and pretty much sitting at the table and drinking until they came up and said, you need to leave because we need to get ready for dinner service, (laughs) Um, which was generally around about, I could tell you, around about 3.30 in the afternoon and then head from there to drinks somewhere at a bar and cigarettes and some cocktails and wines and then home I guess by about seven thirty, eight, sleep the hangover off and yeah that was uh the ideal Friday about six years ago wow and typical Friday at the moment well today's Friday was I actually have a day off today so this isn't typical because we don't have days off oh not too often once every couple of weeks um, but today was woke up still at 5.40 a.m. because that's the body clock now and did my housework and then went and got a massage, came home, had a coffee and now chatting to you. So Fridays definitely look very different to what they used to. be fair to say then that um, triathlon has completely and utterly changed your life completely and utterly and I've had a little bit of time to get used to it now being five and a half years or so down the track but there's still moments um where I have memories and things like that that you just mentioned long lunches and stuff where I sit here and go wow my my life has changed a lot and you've obviously changed massively as a person as well, which we're going to get into a little bit more. But so you said there five and a half years ago, just rewind back to 2013, because that is when you would say pretty much that you had a life changing moment. So what was that life changing moment? I would say 2012, 2013, I was at, like at the height of my unhealthiness, if you want to call it that. Um I was running a successful business with my business partner at the time that we started back in, I think it was 2007. So we'd been running that business for quite a while and growing that business. and But it had, had become quite successful at that time and we were doing really well. We'd actually started a couple of businesses in that time and had a fair few staff. And I was just obsessed, well, I like to say at the time I'd like to say I was obsessed with work but now in hindsight I realized I was just unhappy and unhealthy and using work to fill up my time 
So I was probably 2012, I remember, uh, just to give everyone listening a bit of an idea of the state of health that I was in. I remember coming uh, at this point in 2012, I was in the office seven days a week. I would like on the weekends, I remember I would sleep in a bit on a Saturday and Sunday, whereas I wouldn't during the week. But on a Saturday and Sunday, I would still go to the office. I would get my lunch on the way to the office at about 11 o'clock on a Saturday and Sunday and work all afternoon, both days, and then go home at five, five in the afternoon. So I was in the office every single day. Um, and my business partner, who I actually lived with at the time, who's, we've been friends for a long time, he came up to me sometime in 2012, I can't remember what month it was, and he said to me, came into my office and he said, I don't care what you do next week, but you're not coming to the office. So whether you stay home or whether you go away, whatever you want to do, but you're not coming in here, like you need a break. So people around you had... You know, which, I which think him. Of... I don't think um, it wasn't about the weight or anything. He, uh, it was more so about the work hours and how much I was I was working. Um, I don't think anyone else would have really noticed it. He would have noticed. Um, so I booked myself into a health retreat. I googled and I decided I didn't want to stay at home. So I booked myself into a health retreat and when you – and I told myself that I was just going to the health retreat like to de-stress. It was never about weight for me. It was At that point, I didn't think I was like that overweight, even though I was. So I went to this health retreat, booked myself in there for seven days and when you got there, they did like a series of health checks on you. So they did – I can't remember the stats from my heart rate. I think it was something like – they put you on an exercise bike. I mean just an exercise bike and you just had to turn the pedals over, like no effort, mm-hmm. just turn the pedals over for a couple of minutes and they would watch your heart rate. And I remember my heart rate got to like 155 beats, just like turning the pedals over. Oh they weighed God. me and I was 104 kilos. Um, they did your BMI, which I think was about 34, 35%. And they took your blood pressure and my blood pressure was something crazy like 151 over 110 or something oh oh my goodness yeah I've got all these statistics written down because they filled them all out on a piece of paper which I've I've kept so I've still got all those statistics and and Renee just one thing 104 kilograms is about 16 stone yeah I actually have no idea what it is in stone yeah no I'll I'll trust you on that one yep yeah it's just over 16 stone so for people that yeah work in stone things Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and I I was probably wearing like a size 18 in women's clothing. So that was probably – that was in roughly sometime in 2012. And then, of course, like you do this seven-day health retreat program and you learn all the things you should be doing, which you know anyway, like how to eat healthy and all that kind of jazz. And I got home and I didn't commit. You know, I didn't lose any weight or anything like that. I more treated that time away as, as I said before, de-stressing. I was a stressed out CEO, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, um, in 2013, my friends lived in Mooloolaba up in the Sunshine Coast in Australia. And they said I was going up to visit them because they moved up there from Melbourne. So I was coming up to visit them for a weekend. And they said to me, oh, one of our friends is doing the Noosa Triathlon when you're up here and we said that we would go and watch her um so do you mind coming to that 
we'll just do it, you know, we'll just go watch her for a couple of hours and then we'll leave. Mm. And um, if anyone's heard of the Noosa Triathlon, it's the biggest tri- biggest Olympic distance triathlon in the summer, southern hemisphere. It's massive. Um, so I said to them, yeah, of course, that's no problem. So did you really mine, think, oh, God, that sounds really cool. No, I actually <laughs> didn't because when I was a kid, I was a country kid and I played like, you know, sport through school and stuff like that. So I was always a sporty kid and my you know my family were mad footy fans and I'd grown up around sport my entire life so I actually even though I was super unhealthy during that time I was still a fan of sport like watching sport on tv and things so I yeah I honestly was just like yep no that's no problem but I'd never even I didn't even know what a triathlon was at that point so we went there so this is November 2013 and they were inside like their friend rented a holiday house right on the bike course, basically, where the bikes come into transition. So my friends that I was there with were inside the house at the time, and I just wandered outside and like stood on the side where all the where the bike course was on the barriers, and just watched. And mind you, I did look out of place. You know, 104 kilos. I was probably fake tan to the max and had all the hair extensions in and the designer clothes on like so inappropriate for an event like that um and probably well I do remember actually distinctly remember wondering how the hell I was going to get away for a cigarette in that environment (laughs) around all these like health freaks Did, Um, did you manage it did you did you I didn't. I, I do remember that day pretty clearly. And like, I didn't have a cigarette for the, like the few hours that we were there. Um, so I went and stood on the barriers of the bike course. And yeah, it's just like one of those moments, I think, that you see in movies and stuff that they exaggerate where you feel like the, you just have this moment in time and it's like no one else is there. And you just have this thought in your head. And I was standing there watching all the bikes come in and I just thought, wow, like there's just all these people, all different shapes and sizes, all different ages. I, I couldn't get over it because I, I associate, I think most of us associate sport with young people and super fit people and I'd never seen a triathlon before so I didn't realise that there was that type of sport where all different ages could compete. Yep. So, yeah, I just remember having this moment thinking, gosh, like there's like older people, there's like slow people, fast people, like big people. And just the atmosphere, I just remember thinking, God, everyone looks so happy, like they're having so much fun. And just all of a sudden I thought, wow, maybe maybe like in 12 months, maybe I could do this. Or maybe I could do this Noosa Triathlon in a year's time. And I was sort of going over in my head, well, I swam like in primary school, did some swimming and everyone can run. And surely like it's not that hard to learn how to ride a bike. So I was processing that in my head and I thought, yeah, I reckon like a year is long enough for me to like have a go at doing this. So yeah, that was my moment in time, I guess. And it wasn't, so I didn't stand there and think, wow, I need to lose weight and I need to get healthy. It was all about, yeah, wow, maybe I could do a triathlon. That's So then did you tell anyone or did you just go about trying to get a bike on your own I didn't tell anyone because I reckon well you've probably noticed as you're in Australia at the moment that Australian humor is very sarcastic 
Um, so I think that if I had have told anyone in my life at that point that I was going to do this triathlon in 12 months' time, they just would have thought it was hilarious and I would have copped a bit of shit about it. Um, so, no, I didn't tell anyone. And I didn't tell anyone because I was afraid, of course, afraid of failing. Um, so I didn't say anything. And I got home, Noosa tries in the first week of November, and I got home and when you're in the corporate world, December is just crazy, like so many parties, so many nights out, so many long lunches. So I got back um, to Melbourne to start in November and I didn't do anything about it. I didn't tell anyone and I didn't do anything about it. I entered the race though. The race entries open about a week, I think, after the Noosa try. Yep. So I did enter the race, but I didn't tell anyone and I didn't make any changes when I got back. So I kept on with unhealthy lifestyle. Um, and then did the whole corporate season in style, like drank through that whole period of time, didn't and take still any smoking, steps. Like, oh, yeah, smoking yep. darts, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and going through twice as many cigarettes in that in that Christmas festive season. So it wasn't until, I don't know what I, I – I'd entered the race and it was in the back of my mind and I thought I could do it, but – I guess I probably, in hindsight, although I don't remember, I probably thought in my head, oh, I'll just start when the new, new year starts. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I remember the 2nd of January, actually. My birthday is on the 1st of January, which is New Year's Day. And I remember it was the day after. It was the 2nd of January. Shops opened again. I just got up one morning and Googled, like, bikes, like road bikes, found a bike shop and went and bought, like, a $600 Scott road bike because it was white it was the nicest looking one there for that budget <laughs> I had like the flat pedals like not the clipping ones just the normal flat ones that you wear with runners um so that was my the 2nd of January was my first step towards giving that triathlon a go and when did you actually get on the bike because did you, it was straight away or did it take another pretty much weeks? the same day yeah oh. no I remember like buying it and coming home and then going out for a little ride yeah and then just those early weeks, it was just once or twice a week I would go out because I lived Bayside of Melbourne, which is right near like a really popular um, beach road, we call it in Melbourne, a really popular cycling road. Um, I was like 400 metres, I lived away from that. So it was really easy for me to get out on the bike and, and give it a go. And did you feel self-conscious at that point? Oh my God, did I feel self-conscious? Yes. I... It took me um, before, at the same time I bought the bike, I just remember buying some like bike nicks in the bike shop when I went and bought the bike. Bike nicks, and in then um, like cycling shorts. Yeah, bib, bib, bib yep. shorts or nicks, whatever you call them. Um, I heard nicks, but I like it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Working on the vocab. <laughs> and then I got home, and of course I didn't like them because they weren't the right color. I'm a bit of a fashionista, so I like everything to look nice. Um, but I remember Googling um, bike necks and stuff and just honestly just finding stuff to fit me was a challenge. I was super self-conscious, so I would ride by myself because I didn't even know anyone in triathlon at that point. When In those early days when I did run, I went to a gym and ran on a treadmill because I was too embarrassed about things jiggling around and people looking at me and stuff outside. And same with swimming, I would just go and swim. You know, I, I think I even swam during the day for the first couple of weeks because I had that flexibility with work and I knew there wouldn't be that many people at the pool. 
So, yeah, there were a lot of times in that first probably three months, to be honest, that I was extremely self-conscious and extremely worried about what I look like. And did, do you remember one day when you just thought, I don't care what anyone else thinks now? No, I still haven't had that day. <laughs> <laughs> have, have we ever? Have any of us really had that day? <laughs> um yeah, I think obviously when I'd lost a significant amount of weight, I worried about it less. But I don't think, and it's getting a bit deep now, but I don't think I've, yeah, I still think I have moments where I worry about what people think. <laughs> How did you actually start running? Because that's, that's really hard. Yeah, I wish I had have kept a diary. That's one of the, my biggest regrets in this journey is that I didn't keep some sort of log or diary of what I did, in, particularly in those early days because I didn't join a triathlon club until – so 2nd of January I bought the bike and really started making – like committed to the goal. And then I didn't join a tri club, I don't think, until like the end of February, maybe like yeah, two weeks from the end of February or something. So there was like a six-week period there where I was completely on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew about – I played basketball at an elite level, I guess, as a kid up until I was about 16, which basketball is very different to endurance sports. But I did have like a rough idea of what it, what fitness involved and running involved and things. Um, so in the early days, I don't remember ever doing – run walk stuff I do I remember just running constantly but it was really slow and on a treadmill two or three times a week but I do remember swimming a lot in the first couple of months because I knew enough about sport to know that running is weight bearing and I'm over 100 kilos and that can't be good for my body (laughs) Um, so I do remember swimming as much as I could in those first couple of months and I lost a lot of weight really quickly because I think the bigger you are, the quicker you can lose those initial mm. 20 or 30 kilos. So I think it was 104, you know, say uh, January 2nd. By the time I did my first triathlon um, in March, like the first or second week of March, I'm sure I was down to about 85 kilos. So I'd lost wow. like 20, 20 kilos in a short, like 12, 13 weeks or something like that. That's um, mad. Yeah, but it is. But I think when you're that big, you've got a lot of excess weight to lose. Yeah. And, and did your um did your diet change during that period as well, or was it just from doing the exercise? Yeah, I didn't go on a diet as such. Um, what happened to me is I just automatically ate less and ate healthier because I found that. If I ate too much, my I would feel awful training. Like it would literally feel awful in my stomach um, if I overate. And I didn't eat rubbish because uh, it, I, I felt that I couldn't train properly. So that's why I think it's yeah so important that we have structure and routine with exercise and training because automatically you just make, you make better choices because simply just because you don't like the feeling of eating too much or whatever it is. So yeah, I didn't go on any particular diet. I think my eating habits just changed naturally through, 
through the through the exercise. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's honestly, it's, 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 it's such an amazing story. It's, it's really amazing. And we haven't even got to... Like that, going back to Noosa. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, so, but you did the first, so first triathlon in in the March. Then, so what? Three month, two to three months after getting your bike. Yep, and I came two hundred two hundred and fifty second female yes. that day. <laughs> so we are talking what that five and a half years ago. Um, I was coming two hundred and fifty second not overall, 252nd female in a sprint distance triathlon out of maybe 300 females. Um, and I, oh, I've i got all the time somewhere, but I think I did an hour and a half or something for a sprint distance. And it's like I pretty much walked the entire five kilometers. That's where I was at five and a half years ago. But it's just mad. Do you remember crossing the finish line though? Yeah, I remember crossing the finish line and being really disappointed. (laughs) Really? Yeah, I know this is like uh, most people are like, oh, I'm just so proud of myself and so happy that I did it. I just remember being really pissed off because I was so bad. Like, I was so bad. And I guess for some context, you know, I played basketball, yes, in an elite level, so I was one of the best in the state. I'd had a great career I was kind of always good at things in my life and always one of the best and then all of a sudden to be 252 yikes that's uh, yeah that was just not not something that I was proud of and I think I just got to the end of the finish line and I expected to be better than that and I yeah just remember feeling disappointed at how bad I was but not in a bad way not like I wanted to quit or anything like that but it just got the it was fuel for the fire and I just decided, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't want to be one of those people that's towards the tail end. I want to be better than that. And so then that obviously gave you then a, the kick up the backside to sort of crack on and and really put the training in for, for Nusa and well, and also just to continue, I guess, doing what you were doing. Yeah, just to continue. I obviously found that competitive spirit again um that I'd had as a kid in sport I've always been highly competitive whether it's sport or just life in general board games or whatever it is um so yeah I was never I don't think I would would ever have been one of those people that just did triathlon completely as a lifestyle and a weekend thing that's just not my personality so I yeah 
at that point, I was like, no, I just, I just want to get better. So it just fueled the fire to, um, to push forward. And when would you say, you know, you said about your, your business partner and sort of saying, right, Renee, take a week off and that you had been working weekends and everything like that. At what point in all of this did you actually start to get your head around the idea about, oh, maybe there is a little bit more to life than work? As soon as I found triathlon, as soon as, yeah, as soon as you find something that you're really passionate about and really love, um, you find that perspective. So it was literally as soon as I, even back in the February, you know, when I was just training, doing some stuff on my own, I don't remember, but I'm sure that I wasn't going to work on the weekends and stuff because I had something else to, to look forward to and something else to do. Wow. So then take us back to Noosa, one year on. What happened there? Uh, That was the best weekend. So I did the first sprint distance in March. I did another one, another sprint distance, like maybe three or four weeks after that. And then I did my first Olympic distance in August in Townsville. And I did three hours for an Olympic distance. I don't know what place I came, like towards the end of the pack. Um, and then Noosa was in November and I actually just after Townsville, um, I started to notice that I was getting better, starting to improve. Um, and my goal for Noosa, so mind you, remember in March that year, 252nd female in a sprint distance, barely being able to finish. By the time August rolled around, I made a goal for Noosa. I wanted to finish in the top, I think 30% of my age group and in my age group in Noosa, I think there was around 250. So what would that have been? I don't know, maybe like top 70 or something. Yeah. That was my goal. Um, so I came 25th at Noosa and I did two hours 30 for my yeah second Olympic. And I'd done three hours two months before that in Townsville. Um, so, but I didn't care about the times and the place and everything. Like, I honestly didn't care about that. That weekend, we was a bunch of friends and we'd all started triathlon at the same time. Um, so, we just had the best time. We just, we'd conquered this Olympic distance. It was the biggest triathlon, you know, in the Southern Hemisphere. We partied for like two or three days after the race up in Noosa. Like, just went out every day and it was just the best, best weekend. So much fun with friends and we were just such newbies back then yeah so it wasn't even at the time I wasn't excited about the fact I came 25th or did 230 or whatever I just um in you know down the track I looked back and went wow that was actually a decent achievement back then it sort of escalated from there Renee in that obviously now you know you are racing as a pro so so what happened after that noosa and to to then 2017 get your pro card so I did uh, my first 70.3 and I think I went five hours and I might have even came off the bike in like third. I only got my time trial bike. So I was riding a road bike in 2014 and then I got my time trial bike like a week before Geelong. <laughs> so that was Geelong 70.3 in 2015 was my first race ever on a time trial bike and my first 70.3. So I did that race and then I did another 70.3 in June. It can 70.3 in June and I came third in my age group in that. And that was when I started thinking, 
wow, like maybe I could be a good age grouper. Maybe I could come like top five or something in most of my races if I keep training hard. So that was in June. And then in our tri club, there was quite a few people talking about doing Ironman Japan uh, in August. Um, So I definitely don't suggest this to anyone listening to do your first 70.3, your first Ironman and your first Kona all in one year. Um, But after, yeah, they all got talking about this Ironman in Japan and it was this crazy course. It was a lake swim. There was something like 2,500 metres elevation gain on the bike. Like you literally had to climb two mountain passes. And on the run, there was like 400 metres elevation and half of it was on trail or something. It was just crazy, this race. And they were all talking about it. And someone's like, oh, you should do it because you're, you know, like you're such a good biker. And I was like, oh, maybe I can do my first Ironman. So I did my first Ironman in Japan and I won my age group. And then Kona, it was the last Kona qualifying race for the year. Yeah. And Kona was like six or seven weeks after that. So I won my age group, got my Kona spot and ended up like racing Kona in 2015. So, Had you even even known, when when did you know what Kona was? Well, earlier in the year, my best friend at the time, she'd been doing Ironman for like years, triathlon for years and trying to qualify for Kona for years. Okay. And she did Ironman New Zealand and won her age group. So she qualified. So I'd actually booked accommodation and everything at Kona to go over there and watch her and drink cocktails and, yeah, like spectate for like a couple of weeks. So then when I won Japan, I had everything. Everything was booked. I had flights and everything like all organized just because I was going to spectate and then I was obviously going to race. So, yeah, it was after Kona that year I thought, okay, I want to go back to Kona and I reckon – it's possible to go like top five at Kona. It's only my second year in the sport. Maybe next year we could try for like top five at Kona. So, yeah, the following year, which was 2016, I did my third Ironman, Ironman Australia. I came third in my age group, got a Kona spot. Uh, I was at the fittest of my life, like at that period of time. Um, I did a lead-in race to Kona. 70.3 70.3 Bintan, which was a couple months before Kona, mm-hmm. and had got really, really ill there. I collapsed. I was winning the overall rage group race by a mile, and I had really, really bad heat stroke and collapsed two kilometers from the finish line. Oh. Ended up in intensive care all night over in Singapore. Um, and then had a terrible race at Kona. So Kona was like a couple months after, had a really bad race. Well, not what I was capable of. I came off the bike, I think, in fourth or fifth in my age group at Kona and just like felt terrible on the run. Anyway, that was a big disappointment because I really want, I felt that I was capable of a top five in Kona in 2016. And then I, I think I decided just before Kona that, I thought I could have a go. Um, No, it was in May, actually. 2016 is when I made, when I had the thought of like, yeah, I I think I could have a go at this racing pro um, at Ironman Australia. Uh, After that race is when I thought, yeah, maybe I could. People had mentioned it to me the 12 months prior, you should race pro, but I hadn't really given it any serious thought because I thought I was too old. I didn't have a long history in the sport and I didn't think I could compete with the girls. 
Yeah. So who, who was sort of who was saying, oh, you should you should give it a just go? Just training mates, like in our triathlon club at the time, um, they would just mention it offhand. Oh, you should race pro because I was cycling really well at that time. For some reason, I just had a natural. I just took to the cycling uh, quite easily. Um, so yeah, it was just training mates and squad mates and teammates that were mentioning it, but I didn't really didn't give it any thought at all. Cause I, you know, who's going to give that serious thought when they're like 33 years old, <laughs> you're not going to be thinking, oh yeah, I can change careers and be a professional athlete. Um, so yeah, it was earlier in 2016 and I kind of said to myself, yep, we go for top five at Kona and if I have a great race at Kona, then yep, I'll take my pro card. And then of course that didn't pan out. I didn't have a great race at Kona, but I pulled myself together after that and said, no, Kona's doesn't matter. Like, you can still do it. I just had this huge self, self-belief self that I could do it. Um, so then I had to qualify for my pro card, and I did that in the following June. I won Cairns 70.3 age group race, uh, which qualified me for my pro card. And so I took my pro license in, I think it was around August 2017. Was there any bit of you that that took it but was thinking, really, I, just, I, I shouldn't be doing this? No, I think I, I did worry about what other people would think. It, it wasn't about me. I was 100% sure that I could do it I, because my thought process was even though I didn't have the – like people wouldn't have looked at my results at that time and gone, oh, wow, she should race pro. I'd had obviously good results. I'd won pretty much, you know, my, all my races in that, that prior 12 months over lots of different distances or podiumed at worst. But there wasn't any like standout results, you know, when you see some age group results where they're absolute standouts and you're like, yeah, they should be racing pro. My results weren't like that. They were solid all around, but there was nothing special about them, in my opinion. Um, so I think people may have, I worried that people may look at my results and have thought, she shouldn't be racing pro but from my perspective my internal thought was I've been on a time trial like for two years um you know I've been doing long course triathlon at that time for two years I only started running a couple of years ago like if I can do this now already then who knows what I'm capable of in the next few years so I never yeah I never doubted myself but I did worry what other people would think so would you say, have you, have you ever had or suffered from, like, imposter syndrome in the in the triathlon world? I don't think so. I've been asked this question before, and I don't think I did. I think I'm pretty sure of myself, and I know uh, that I work really, really hard. So I think when you know you work really hard and you have to put a lot of work in to get the results and things that you're getting, um, you don't get that, I don't think. And is there anything that you would take or that you have taken maybe from the corporate world into the triathlon world? Everything. Um, corporate world in terms of running our own business, I think when I took the step to racing pro, um, I realised very quickly that a lot of the attributes and things that I dealt with in the business world and, and starting our own company were exactly the same as what I was experiencing as racing pro. Um, Can you like you give, know, give an example? Yeah, like mental resilience um, is a big one. Like when you're starting a business, there's some crazy stats like 
only one in three businesses last beyond their first 12 months in trading and it's it's crazy the amount of businesses that start and fail um and i could see when i started racing pro like just getting smashed every race pretty much like my first two races i came last i think or second last that's really difficult to deal with especially when you've gone from age group racing and winning um so yeah that mental toughness i think that i'd learned in business just to keep getting back up and to keep trying and to keep knocking on doors in business it was exactly the same as being an athlete like you've just got to find it in yourself to keep getting up in the morning keep showing up um and keep putting yourself on a start line and I, and I certainly when I used to race age group I obviously became quite a student of the sport early on and loved looking at results and different people's journeys and strengths and weaknesses and I would follow all the pro races and stuff and I always thought to myself when I was racing age group wow so where did that pro go like I was sort of following them they had a few good results last year and then all of a sudden they're not racing anymore or it's amazing actually when you follow pro racing especially development pros how many fall off the radar and I know some of them from the female perspective would be because they're having kids or whatever it is but I realized when I started racing pro myself this is why (laughs) this is why so many drop off the radar Um, obviously because they just get to a point where they just can't they just don't want to do it anymore like can't take it anymore like getting getting beat or and not that's a bad thing. It's just a, an observation that I made. Um, so, yeah, that was one of the, I, I think, one of the biggest things that carried over from my corporate life into my sporting life was definitely resilience. I don't know if you're thinking of going back into the corporate world in however many years' time, but is there anything that you would take from triathlon back into that world? That's a really, really good question. Obviously, I would like to think, I can't imagine now, because my entire corporate career, I was very, very unhealthy and very overweight and I actually had no life outside of work. I often wonder what life would look like now um, if I went back to my business now and back to my corporate world now, how A, could I be as successful in my business life, given that there's no way in hell I'd be working seven days a week anymore. Um, So, yeah, I think obviously the one big thing I would take or what I find interesting now to think about is how different my work life would be, my corporate life would be if I took my triathlon back over into my or my my health or exercise back over into my work life. You'd be the CEO implementing like walking meetings and (laughs) standing desks (laughs) Wednesday afternoons off to go and do sport (laughs) yeah yoga every Wednesday morning I just thought of yoga because we were speaking about that before (laughs) I was I was also wondering how's your relationship with your body changed over like these last few these last years because obviously you know to go from 104 kilograms and very sort of unhealthy to being a professional triathlete 
Oh, um, how long have you got here on this go one? On, let's go, go for it. Let's see. Uh, I still struggle massively with um, body image and the way I look and even a bit of disordered eating to a degree. Um, uh, I think the problem, not the problem, but yes, I've lost, you know, 42 kilos or whatever it is and I look great compared to what I used to look like, but... I've gone from corporate world into elite sport and if I'd lost 42 kilos and I remained in the corporate world, I think I'd be very happy with the way I looked, to be honest. But because I am now in elite sport, 90% of the women um, or people that I'm surrounded by are lifetime athletes and they just... My body image issue, I lost 42 kilos and I have excess um, skin or skin tissue. They estimate around about three kilos. So it's not much. And, you know, if I I was standing there in my swimmers and someone looked at me, they probably wouldn't even notice. But I I know where it is. So, um, gosh, this is getting – this is really difficult to talk about. Um, But what I'm trying to say is I'm surrounded by – healthy people, lifetime athletes who have looked after their body their entire life and deservedly have toned figures. And I find myself not comparing to them, but definitely with lower, you know, lower body image when I'm around people like that because I'm very aware of the fact that I don't look like that. Like I will never, as lean as I can get um, and as light as I can get, I will never look super lean or super light simply because I have that excess skin or skin tissue from the weight loss. Um, So has my body image improved? Of course, I know I look better, but honestly, (laughs) I don't think I look amazing. (laughs) And I think that's just because of the space I'm in at the moment. Um, It is also really different, you know, in regards to aesthetics and things like that. I've come from a corporate world where you wear makeup every day, you wear nice clothes every day, you always look nice. And now I'm in this triathlon space where I just look like a slob half the time (laughs) when I'm getting around. And, you know, just recently having an accident and 15 stitches in my face. I've got like scars on my face now. So, yeah, I would say it's definitely an ongoing battle the way I feel about my body and my looks. Renee, we did say we could go on all day about this and it's so brave of you to to talk openly about it but it's the sort of thing that actually you talking then can help other people as well so I do think hats off to you for for doing that I did want to ask um there have been a few photos this season of you being in uh hospital ones which obviously not what we want to see (laughs) as in injured that is not what we want how how are you doing at the moment and what are the plans for 2020 Oh, gosh, yeah, it's been an up-and-down year, that's for sure. I can't even say it's been a bad year because in amongst the shitty accidents, I've actually uh, made more progress than I ever have and had some really good races. So I think the first injury was, yeah, I was open water swimming 
and we were doing like race starts in a group. We were open water swimming, yeah, doing race starts and I hit my head on something. Apparently it was like a big bamboo log. So we were swimming and I said to my friend, I kept swimming for about another five minutes and then one of my like squad mates, I lifted up my cap, my swimming cap and I said to her, mate, have I got like a bruise or something on my head? She's like, uh, you need to get out of the water right now. <laughs> I had like a skin, big flap of skin like hanging down. So that was the first one I had to go to hospital, get stitches in that one on my forehead. And then a few weeks later, I was racing Moolabar Triathlon, came off my bike, gravel rash everywhere and fractured my wrist. And then in August, the most recent one in Copenhagen and the worst one, um, mechanical issue on my bike sent me flying off the bike about halfway through the bike ride um landed head first unconscious for 20 minutes 15 stitches in my face broken collarbone so that's the most recent one um but we're all healed up pretty much now and been back in training so i think that's my three and we should be done now in terms of accidents and injuries I hope so. <laughs> so I keep saying to my coach, like, I haven't had an actual injury. I just keep harming myself. Like, <laughs> I don't get injured from training. I just have these accidents. The goal is I want to qualify for Kona next year. So maybe Ironman New Zealand in March. So we're going to be working towards that. Amazing. Exciting times. Very exciting. Thank you so much for your time. It's been amazing to talk. Thank you for being open okay. and thank you for being honest. And uh, yeah, best of luck for 2020 and best of luck for the season ahead. Thanks, Helen. Hopefully I can keep myself upright for a few months. <laughs> Wasn't that just insanely open and honest? Seriously. Wow. And thanks to Renee's honesty kind of got me thinking and I was like there's got to be there's got to be more in this and this can help more people so I haven't included everything of what she said because there is more about disordered eating and body image but I am working together with Steph Hansen from witsup.com and we're going to put together one or two episodes all about disordered eating and body image. It's going to be an incredible listen and hopefully we're going to help loads more people just to be able to talk about it. So whether you're a parent, whether you're an athlete and you struggle in that area as well, whether you're a coach, we're going to cover the lot and it's going to make a really big impact and hopefully a big difference as well to help people talk about it. So Renee, you've got that ball rolling so thank you so so much if you liked what you heard then please do share this episode with a friend let me and Renee know on social media and if you could leave a review in Apple or iTunes it makes the world of difference so yeah one thing from today's show please do go and leave me a review I'd be really really grateful if you want to become a patron and support me and what I'm doing, then head to patreon.com forward slash inside try show. If you want to know more about me, you can head to 
helenmurray.net. All of the show notes are there as well. And the recipe from Anna Jones, I'm going to put that up before I forget. Don't forget, you can get 20% off with the code Inside Try with our friends over at comfuel.co.uk like a pick a mix of sports nutrition but this week's show has been powered by 33fuel.com powerful tasty and natural sports nutrition check out their vegan bundles and use the code inside try 33 to get a discount at checkout and support me too so until next week keep it fun and we'll speak then Podcast Network. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.